And I want you to know that today's conversation is sponsored by a company called Exter. They make smart wallets. I've always carried um, wallets, carried a lot of cards, but this particular wallet is amazing because it allows you to carry six cards and there's a little button that allows you to pop them out immediately. It's also RFID protected, meaning people can't scan and steal your information. The thing I love most about it is that it has uh, a tracking device that allows you to locate your wallet if it's misplaced. Your phone will tell you where your wallet is. And the tracking device, if you were to lose your phone, would ring your phone so you could find your phone. I also love the fact that they have feminine colors that I could actually buy for my wife. So I want you to go to my description and there's a link in the description that will afford you 5% off. Exter. If you ask me in the streets, I'll show you mine. Have you ever wondered what it'll be like to be mentored and taught by RC and Lisa? To be a part of an exclusive group with opportunities to ask questions to RC directly? There is a program called Mordecai Mission. It may be the opportunity you're looking for. Mordecai is a 12-week program conducted on Zoom by RC and Lisa. The program is named Mordecai because it was Mordecai who mentored Esther into her reign as queen. RC has been called the King of Queens. His passion for empowering women is like that of Mordecai. The program is for women seeking spiritual and emotional healing as well as a sense of purpose and a return to self-love. It's biblically based and spiritually empowered. It is roughly an hour of teaching done by RC. It then moves into Q&A. The program is based on three pillars. One, inner healing. Two, self-discovery. And three, self-development. The program runs for 12 weeks straight. Meetings are at the same time every weekend. The meetings are about 90 minutes to two hours. To be a part of the next group, go to www.rcblakes.com and register. Seats are limited. Pray about it. And if you feel a witness in your heart, don't procrastinate. Go ahead and register. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk with Bishop R.C. Blakes. R.C. is an author, empowerment teacher, and the proud pastor of the New Home Ministries of New Orleans, Louisiana and Houston, Texas. His message circles the globe. His conversational and candid approach to challenging content makes him a relevant voice to all generations. Get ready for a life-changing transformational conversation. Hello, 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 hello. This is R.C. Blakes and oh, you already know how excited I am to meet you every Monday night and uh, just to have you participating from all over the country and literally from all over the world. I'm so excited. I am so extremely excited. Now, I want you to help me tonight, today, whenever you're watching this, I need you to invite someone to come in and to be a part of this conversation. And um, if, if you don't mind liking this particular conversation, because I already know that it's going to bless you. 
There's a lot being said today about um, being a wife. There's a lot being said, a lot of conversations, a lot of discussions about what that means. And I thought tonight to um, address the issue from my perspective, from a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, from a real life perspective, being a man that actually has a wife. Uh, we've been married now going on 28 years. Um, I, have some, I have some insight that I'd like to share with you. Some believe that, you know, to be a wife is, especially when you, when you talk about coming from a Christian perspective, they think that that means, um, you know, you're, <laughs> you're enlisting a woman into to modern day slavery. No, 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 no. Being a wife is far from modern day slavery. There's this book I wrote called Queenology, and there's this book I wrote King, called Kingology. One clearly is for the mindset of the woman, the other is for the mindset of the man. When you go to God's, um, when you go to the Word of God and you look at God's original order, uh, you know that being a wife is not about being a modern day slave, because the assignment that God gave to them was to have dominion. Who has dominion? Rulers have dominion. So being a wife, being a husband, is just one half of a rulership. When, when you start you know, thinking in terms of yourself being a man's wife, you're not to think in terms of, well, this means slavery, this means that I'm subservient. No, this means that you are, you are um, a part of a kingdom where the two of you come together and you dominate. So throw out of the window all of these false ideas and these false assumptions about what being a wife is. Being a wife is, is not being a slave. Being a wife is, is, it involves being a sexual being, but it transcends by far just being, you know, sexual. Being sexual is a major part of it, of course, because anybody, you know, that's paying attention understands that men love sex. Young men love it, old men love it, you know. <laughs> men love sex. And they are supposed to be able to enjoy that experience within the context of a uh, commitment to a union with a wife. But it's far more than just greasing your lips up and, and blowing your, you know, you, you know, you know what y'all do at the, at the plastic surgeon, doing all that stuff and turning around, taking all these pictures on Instagram, you know, that, 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 you know, let me leave that alone. But I want to talk today about the psychology of a real wife, the psychology of a wife. How does, how does she think? Now, the psychology of a person is a representation of their, that person's experiences, training, exposure, and chemistry.
or chemistry because there may be some other things that go along with this. These things, her experiences, her training, her exposure, her chemistry, play out as the ladies, the woman's, the person's, the man's worldview, his or her psychology. I live my life from the basis of a certain psychology that is the product of my experiences, my training, my exposure, and my overall chemistry. You know, my perspective on what makes a man, what a man looks like, is based on what I saw a man to be as a child growing up watching my father. It's the, it's the training I received at the hands of my father and other great men like him. It's the exposure that I have to men who are doing it at the highest level. And it's my personal chemistry that plays out as my worldview, which spills over into what? How I behave. And so there's, there's a psychology that plays into one being a wife. And so you hear me say things all the time or quite often like, you know, find yourself, do your work before you try to, you know, create some bogus relationship. Well, this kind of lends itself to that. You know, um, you need to figure out how do you view the world? Why do you view the world you view? Why do you view the world as you view it? And then you can begin to get some insight relative to your behavior in the world. There are a lot of, there are a lot of ladies who may have um, a desire to be a wife, but there's still probably more than likely definitely some work to be done internally to develop a corresponding psychology to match the desire you say you have. Because a wife is distinguishable by her psychology and not her biology. You, just because you're a full-grown woman able to have sex, just because you can cook and clean, these things don't make you a wife. And I know the world many times paints this picture that that's all there is to being a wife. But the reality is uh, we can pay to have somebody clean. We can pay to have somebody cook. I mean, it's illegal and immoral in my opinion, but you can even pay a man and even pay somebody to have sex. A wife has to be more than these things. A wife is distinguishable by her psychology and not her biology. You know, some of you believe that the only way you, you qualify to be a wife is that you have to be a certain size, a certain weight, and all of this kind of thing. You, you're, you're, you're limiting your um, value to your physicality. When the reality is a man, a grown man, and when I say grown, I mean grown physically, mentally, spiritually, socially. A man that has evolved, that is truly husband material. Though he appreciates the physical, he is looking far beyond your physicality 
and he's paying two-thirds of his focus is on your psychology. He's trying to figure out, do you truly have the mindset to be a wife? Are you truly at a level in your thinking that he can commit himself fully and totally to you for the rest of his days? It's because your being a wife is about more than your biology or your physicality. It's about your psychology. This is why in certain cultures even today, and especially, you know, in antiquity, um, people could choose a spouse for a young eligible prince or young eligible man they could choose for him. The parents could choose for him. Um, certain trusted servants or employees of the master, the father, could choose a spouse for the boy. Because the choosing was based on psych the psychology of the young woman being acceptable as wife material. And they determined this by what? Her upbringing, who, who trained her, what has she been exposed to? What is her worldview? Does her worldview match this young boy's future? See, men don't choose wives based on, grown men do not choose wives based on their momentary condition. Men choose wives based on their future. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 24, and I'll just read a well, it's kind of a lot of these verses, but it's just a, a fraction of the whole story. We see where Abraham's servant is going out to choose a wife for Abraham's heir, Isaac. And the Bible says in Genesis 24:10 through 21, the servant took 10 of his master's camels and loaded with gifts from his master traveled to Aram, Naram, and the city of Nahor. Outside the city, he made the camels kneel at a well. Pay attention. It was evening, the time when the women came to draw water. He was there intentionally because he's doing what? He's trying to find a suitable mate for the young prince Isaac. Verse 12 says, he prayed, O God, God of my master Abraham, make things go smoothly this day. Treat my master Abraham well. Abraham wanted a wife for his son Isaac. As I stand here by the spring, while the young women of the town come out to get water, let the girl to whom I say, lower your jug and give me a drink, and who answers, drink and let me also water your camels, let her be the woman you have picked out for your servant Isaac. Then I'll know that you're working graciously behind the scenes for my master. It so happened that the words were barely out of his mouth when Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, whose mother was Micah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with a water jug on her shoulder. The girl was stunningly beautiful, a pure virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came back up. The servant ran to meet her and said, please, can I have a sip of water from your jug? She said, certainly, drink. And she held the jug so that he could drink. When he had satisfied his thirst, she said, I'll get water for your camels too, until they've drunk their fill. She promptly emptied her jug into the trowel 
and ran back to the well to fill it. And she kept at it until she had watered all the camels. The man watched silent. Was this God's answer? Had God made his trip a success or not? But now you see Abraham's servant going to choose a wife for Isaac. And it's not based on her physicality, though the Bible says she was very beautiful and a virgin. It was based on her character. And this brother, you, you know, you just you can read the full story for yourself. But this brother said, Lord, you know, the, the girl I asked water of and that says, OK, let me give it to you and let me even water your camels. You know, let her be the one. What, what, what is this displaying? A certain psychology, uh, a mindset um, that here's a woman that is a nurturer. Here's a woman that's that's a worker that's not lazy. Here's a woman that's not conceited or self-consumed. Can you imagine a woman that has, uh, you know, conceit as an issue or is uh, arrogant and bringing her into a wealthy family like Abraham's family was? He needed to see a woman that had a servant's heart. It was about the what? Psychology, not the physicality or the biology. Because you have to understand this, all of this is introduction. Relational attraction is mostly based in physiological appeal. You know, I'm attracted, I'm attracted. You know, and that's, that's what a lot of you are trying to, people are trying to make uh, marriages on, is just pure attraction. But attraction is kind of like adrenaline, you know. It gets up there, but it dies down. So relational attraction is mostly based in physiological appeal, but attraction is fleeting, especially for men. A man gets bored very easily. A man is attracted today and he's distracted tomorrow. <laughs> That's good right there. A man is attracted today and he's distracted tomorrow. A woman is going to have to have more than physical appeal to draw a man into a lifelong covenant. Now, chemistry, on the other hand, is rooted in comparable psychology. It's when a man and a woman are not only attracted, but they are connected on a soulish level, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They are connected. And you have to understand this, men do not choose wives based on attraction. Men choose wives based on harmony. Men don't bond until there's harmony. See, women bond. I was listening to uh, Chingy the other day. Just uh, She was doing a conversation on... Uh, Instagram, and she was talking about, which was so true, she was talking about how women just bond emotionally so quickly, you know. So a woman is all, all in. She's, she's invested and she's emotionally invested, you know, just based on the attraction and, and, and uh, the promise, the promise of the, the so-called relationship. But a man can be attracted, a man can have sex, a man can have babies and, and still never be bonded to that woman. A man bonds when he finds harmony with a woman. 
you know, not just attraction. Now, um, and harmony happens where? On a psychological level, when, when the souls connect. This, I guess this also explains why more women struggle with soul ties than men. It's because women tend to open themselves up uh, much sooner. Women bond a lot faster and a lot harder and a lot easier. Now, this also explains how a man can suddenly marry. He can be with, with a woman, you know, for years and never marry and then suddenly marry and then settle with a woman that one might say is most unlikely. What's the difference? The other woman that he spent all of those years with and, you know, had made all of those babies with was a beautiful woman, is a beautiful woman. The woman that he chose to settle down and marry may not, by some people's standards, be as beautiful as the woman he, uh, you know, spent all of those years with and made all of those babies, but he married this woman. He bonded with that woman. It's because it was a psychological connection. It was a spiritual connection. It was a physical connection. It was all three dimensions, body, soul, and spirit. And the Bible says in Proverbs 31, 10 through 12, who can find a virtuous woman for a price as far above rubies? The heart of her husband, here it is, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. So a woman, here's the part I want you to pay attention to. Uh, back there at verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for a price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. A woman must possess all of the qualities and the fruit of a wife before a husband will manifest or before a man, an evolved man, finds her. You can't, you can't, you can't wait, you know, for a husband to show up and for a husband to say, you're my wife, and then say, okay, I'm going to get it together. No, 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 no. You have to develop the psychology of a wife. There, there are too many, now you got to hear this, and this is still, I'm still laying the, ground, the groundwork here. There are too many that want to run with, you know, the, the women that's in the clubs and dressing half naked and, you know, all over the Instagram, in the bathroom, mirror at the club, taking a picture of your derriere, putting it on the Instagram or the TikTok or whatever you do with it. And then you say, uh, where are the husbands at? Well, so you have to have the psychology of a wife. So now let me ask you a question. I hear you saying, I want a husband, but do you really have the psychology of a wife? Huh? Do you have the mindset? Do you really have the, the mindset of a wife? Now here's the question that came to mind as I was preparing this conversation for you. Who trains wives ideally? 
Ideally, who trains wives? If you go to Titus 2 and 3, it says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. When you read the full context, it's talking about how the older, more mature, more experienced women should be righteous examples to the younger women. So ideally, the oncoming generation of women should learn from the generation that came before them. But now when we look at society today, what are the older women teaching the younger women? I was looking at something on Instagram with an old lady. You know, I mean, she was shapely and all that, but way out of character. You know, there's, there's a thing called age appropriate. I don't care how fine or shapely you are. There's age appropriate clothing for you as an older woman. Forever 21 does not include you. No, no, no. I don't care that you shape like your daughter. You and your daughter should not be wearing the same clothes. I know you don't agree with it, but it's just my opinion. It ain't, it ain't no law nowhere. You know, it, it's, it ain't no law nowhere, but it's my opinion. You, you and your daughter shouldn't be going, out, going to the same spots. While you over here at dinner, your daughter may be at the club. But you hanging out at the club, where are the young women, in other words, who's training them? It should be the, ideally, it should be, you know, the, the older women training the younger women how to be wives. If a woman does not, now if a woman does not have the benefits of a teaching mother or some older woman, she should then align herself with women who are successful wives and do what? Observe. Put yourself in the atmosphere where there are women who are successful wives. Now, what is a successful wife? A successful wife is a woman that understands her purpose, is, has a husband that harmonizes with her, that supports her, whose family is healthy, whose marriage is healthy. She's not only married, everybody's bragging about how long they've been married, but the real question is, how happy have you been in that marriage? It's not successful if both of you are in that so-called marriage miserably. So if you, if you don't have, you say, well, I don't have RC, I don't have, my mother's not qualified, my mother's not here. Well, you, you, you know, you can't surround yourself with Women that, um, I'm trying to be respectful and don't say anything out of line, but you can't surround yourself by women that want to behave in every way that does not represent wife and have, you know, have this encircling you and think that you're going to glean anything from these ladies but something that is inappropriate and self-defeating. You're going to have to find and align yourself with women who are successful wives. And then you observe, you know what I'm saying? You see the interaction. You see how uh, she communicates with her man. You see how he treats her. You see how, uh, you know, they respect each other. And it's from there that you begin to glean the things that you should have probably ideally learned from your mother, but you know, life is not perfect. We don't always have everything we, you know, we, we should have had or deserved or desired. Now, 
Um, so if, if you don't have a mother, you simply observe. And if you're married presently, watch this, if you're married presently, and I'm catching you midstream with this, and you have a good man, I have to keep saying that, because just because you're married doesn't mean you have a husband. A lot of y'all had a wedding, you never got a marriage. It's not a marriage if you out here, you got to fight for your marriage, you fighting for your marriage every year, you fighting for your marriage. It's probably just, you know, wedlock, wedlock, bondage. It's probably not, probably not a marriage. Um, but putting all of that aside, if you don't have mother and you say, okay, well, you know, I, I don't have friends yet that are happily and healthily married. Uh, okay, well, back to my point. You're in the marriage already. And you say, I never learned these things. Well, you know what? It's a good idea for you to sit down and ask your husband, what are his needs? Uh, how are you doing? And don't get offended. You know, give him the freedom to tell you the truth. What areas do you need to improve in? I was watching um, a certain pastor, and I'm assuming it was his wife. Well, it was his wife. They were sitting down having a discussion, and uh, they've been married for a long time, so much so that they teach married couples. And um, she asked him the question, um, was she submitted? And he said, did he think she was submitted to him or something like that? And he said, yes and no. And she said it kind of took her back that he said yes and no. He said, sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. Well, that's a great way for you to learn how if you're in the middle of a marriage already and you haven't learned the things that I'm getting ready to share with you prior to, uh, it's a great way for you to learn and you can flip the table. It's a great way for him to learn, to give one another the freedom to be able to um, teach him what you need, him teach you what he needs as a, as a, from you as a wife, from him as a husband. But now let's get into our, let's get into our discussion. Can you believe all of that was introduction? So I got a, I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. Let's get into our discussion. Number one, the psychology of a wife. A wife has a mind to help a man. A wife has a mind to help a man. Just because you want to be married doesn't mean that you have the psychology of a wife. A wife has a mind to help a man. Now let me tell you what I'm not talking about because I can already feel some of y'all getting triggered. I'm not talking about a woman has the responsibility to raise a man I'm not talking about a woman has the responsibility to give a man a vision. I'm not talking about a woman has the responsibility to finance a man. I'm not talking about a woman should co-sign for a man to help him get his business off the ground. No, no, no. She can't do any of those things for him. But if she has, if she has the psychology of a wife, she has a mind to help him. A wife has a mind to help her husband. Now, you know, there's, um, there's a balance to this thing called hypergamy. You know, there's a balance and there, there are levels to it. You know, you have some that take it to the extreme and they want to marry a man strictly for his money and, and all of that kind of thing. Well, that's, that's you know, that's, that's called 
you, you know, okay, I'm going to leave that alone. Um, you know, a woman should seek for a man that has uh, the desire to provide. He may not be a wealthy man, but he has the desire to provide. He has to at least be wealthy in ambition, and he has to be wealthy in his drive. But you should not enter into a man's life if all you want to do is reap the benefits of whatever this man is producing. A wife has a mind to help. So everybody's talking about a high-value man, a high-value woman. What about a high-value couple? What about a woman and a man coming together, a man that has a complete vision, a purpose that he's actually working on, grinding on, a woman that comes in with her own vision and with her own set of skills and she's working on her stuff and they bring all of that stuff together and the woman helped the man and the man helped the woman and the two together become something neither of them would have ever been as individuals, separate and apart. But if you, if you, are, if you are a woman that has the psychology of a wife, you definitely have a mind to help the man. And the Bible says in Genesis 2 and 18, and the Lord... God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. One who helps or one who aids. This is what it's referring to. It refers to aid or assistance that is given. Whether it be material or immaterial. The wife, the, the spirit and the psychology of the wife is to aid the man in what God has already given him. When, when Eve came on the scene, Adam already knew why he was here. He was already busy doing what he was called to do here. The creator had already set Adam up. God created Eve to come in and to help him. A wife only bonds to a man. And when I say wife, understand you've got to be a wife before the wedding. So there are a lot of you that I'm talking to right now who have not been married, but you're yet wives. But a wife only bonds to a man that has something for her to aid with. Doesn't matter how busy she is, what she has going on, this business, that business. She is only going to really bond, you know, like that lifelong bond with a man, especially if she's a go-getter herself, she's only going to bond with a man that has something for her to aid in. A man on a mission is in need of a wife. A wife is not a luxury for a husband. She's a necessity. A wife is not fulfilled where she is not necessary. Because it is her nature to what? Help. And any woman that's with a man that she does not want to help, she does not love that man. If you go to 1 Peter 3 and 7, it says, Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as, watch this, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The man needs the woman. And so you need an enlightened man, 
When you have the when you have the psychology of a wife, and that is to help, you need a man that's enlightened enough to recognize that he does need you and respect, be able to be man enough to respect the contribution you make. Because when you're when you're embracing a man, now, now again you gotta you got you gotta be able to balance this. See if you have that broken consciousness, what you're gonna do is you're gonna run out here and you're gonna go and try to find every you know, find projects. You're trying to build your man. You can't build a man. He's got to already be a man. You can't make him, but you can help him. See, because when you have when you have a wife's psychology, you discern if your giftings and or your expertise fit where this man is going. Amos 3 and 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? It's fine to have the sexual attraction. That's necessary. That's a wonderful thing to have. You should be sexually attracted to the man. But, you know, when, when, when you are really functioning uh, at your highest level of consciousness as a woman, there's something that's more, that's sexier than his uh, biceps, you know, than his you know, his height or whatever, whatever. It's, it's his vision. It's his mind. And it's where he's going. And the most, the sexiest thing of all is when you see where you fit into that scheme. So he's going to have to have, when you have the psychology of a wife, you can't, you can't even tolerate a man that does not have a solid vision or purpose. See, because a man without a vision and purpose is not a husband yet. You have, you, have, you have no assignment in this brother's life. Until he gets a vision and a purpose, you have no assignment in his life. There's no, there's no assignment to understand. Because as a wife, your fundamental psychology is I got to help my husband. Now, the Bible says in uh, Genesis 2 and 18, and the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will what? Make him and help meet for him. I got to help my husband. Now, also, you have to ask yourself, when you have the psychology of a wife and you're entertaining men and you're trying to you know, figure out if this is a man you should choose or not, does he receive your help? You see, because you incrementally you begin to test these things. You never give a man that has not committed to you um, husband benefit, but you, you, you show little glimpses of, of, of what you possess, and then you see how he responds. Does he receive your help? Or is he, is he emotionally healthy enough to receive your contribution? Because sometimes a man means well, sometimes he has a great vision, but sometimes he's, he's yet broken. And, you know, his, his esteem requires that no woman helps him. Well, he's not a husband. He's not a husband yet, and you have no assignment in his life. That will end miserably because the fundamental psychology of a wife is to help a man has to have something to help with, but then he has to be man enough. 
He has to be full enough, whole enough to be able to receive your help. This is why Colossians 3:18 and 19 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You start finding that a man resents you for helping him. You need to move, you need to move out of that situation. You, know? you, don't, you don't need that. Now, number two. So number one, the psychology of a wife she has, a mind, she has a mindset to help. Number two, a wife maintains, this is her psychology, a wife maintains an attractive energy. An attractive energy. A wife is big on energy. She can read the pulse of her husband, of her family. She can take the temperature of her home. And she makes the adjustments to the energy. A wife is very conscious of her energy and maintains a feminine energy with her husband. Now, she may be a CEO, an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, and she may bark out orders all day long to get the job done. But when she, when she crosses the seal of her door, her energy shifts like Superman changes when he goes into the phone booth. Because when you have the psychology of a wife, you maintain an attractive energy. You're not going to be a woman that's just constantly turning your, your man off and, you know, constantly putting him in a defensive mode because you're walking through the house with all this masculine energy and your tone and, and you know, just, you you. You, you should have sat down somewhere. You shouldn't have went to no altar because a, a woman that has the psychology of a wife maintains an attractive energy. You can be the most beautiful woman in the world and be the ugliest woman in the world at the same time if you don't have the right energy. Physical beauty means nothing to a grown man. I mean, we appreciate it. Come on now. But it's fading and it's changing as we get older. You know, that's not the most important thing to no grown man. The most important, to, important thing to a grown man, an, an evolved man, is a woman that maintains a beautiful spirit and keeps a peaceful atmosphere around the relationship. And of course, for those of you who are triggered already, you know, he does the same. But... A woman that has the, the psychology of a wife, she maintains, she always maintains an attractive energy. There's something about her spirit that just draws, man can't wait to get home to her. In 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, it says your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Nothing wrong with that. But verse 4 says rather it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight and in the sight of a man that would be a husband. you got to have an attractive energy. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 9, it is better for a man to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. It's better to live on the roof or in the attic than to live in a mansion with a woman that comes with that, 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 that. Now, you know, when, when the Bible talks about 
everybody gets triggered, you know, not everybody, but a lot of women get triggered by the term submission, but it's really nothing to get triggered by. You know, the Holy Spirit was saying to me the other day, he said, basically, he says, you can substitute the word submission with the word cooperative. The wife is cooperative with the man's agenda to advance the family. And the man, of course, I have to keep saying it like this, supports the wife and the two break. There's a merger. A marriage is a merger between two independent entities that come together to create something greater than they would have ever been as individuals. Because a wife is inspirational. A wife is inspirational to her man. She becomes the custodian of her man's morale. She has to be. Because what did Genesis, what did God command the man and the woman to do? Cleave to one another. In other words, she's the one that's, that's in his intimate space all of the time. So she becomes the, the custodian of his morale. He becomes the custodian of her self-esteem. He, he's, he's supposed to pour, constantly pour into her self-esteem. You're beautiful. He has to make her know she's needed, she's appreciated, she's adored. The woman is the custodian of the man's morale. So she keeps energy around, feminine energy around the man where she's supportive of him. And she, she builds him up. He has no need to go out looking for anything emotionally, sexually, no need because his woman keeps the energy around the home, around the relationship. And how does she do that? Just walking, training yourself to walk in your feminine. And then number three, a wife, man, my time is gone. I got to quit. I got to hurry up. A wife is a husband's chief accountability partner. You have the mindset to hold a man accountable. That's one of the things that makes you attractive. This is why inferior men don't really want wives. It's because a real wife holds a man accountable. A man is attracted to the woman that he cannot run game on. A man is attracted to the woman that's going to hold his feet to the fire. If you're not centered enough, as a woman, to be able to hold a man accountable, you are not his wife. You're not ready to be his wife. If a man is not willing to be accountable, you are not his wife. He is not a husband. Back to 1 Peter 3 and 7 again. He says, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Be able to answer her questions. Have an answer for every question she may have. Because wives, women that possess the psychology of a wife, wives ask hard questions with soft tones. That's a t-shirt right there. Wives ask hard questions with soft tones tones and a smile <laughs> now listen to what Colossians 3 and 18 says relative to 
a wife holds, holds a husband accountable. We always talk about, submit to the, submit. The reality is a marriage is based on woman submitting and a man submitting. I submit to my wife. There are things my wife, she call, makes the call on and I get out the way. Things she handles, I, I get out the way. You know, when I need to make a call, she knows how to back out of all of that. And she knows how to just say, okay, babe, we're going to do it your way. Let's rock with it, roll with it. Because wives have to hold, a wife holds a husband, holds a man accountable. If you're not capable of holding a man accountable, you ain't nobody's wife yet. Don't run to no altar because you have some healing and some growing and developing to do. Because a woman with a wife's psychology always holds a man accountable. Colossians 3 and 18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Meaning what? I'm not going to let you run me off of no cliff. I'm, go I'm going to have to hold, I'm going to have to vet you. I'm going to have to hold you accountable because I'm not going to follow you if it's not fit in the Lord. Why is it imperative that a woman has the, a wife who has a woman who has a wife psychology hold a man accountable? It's because you're not going to be able to rest in your feminine, which means that you're going to have to be able to trust a man if you can't hold him accountable. If he can't answer your questions, if he has no answer for your questions, you will never be able to rest in your feminine and actually just Whoo, exhale and be a wife because you will never trust a man that you have not held accountable. Number four, the psychology of a wife. A wife is interdependent. Interdependent. This requires, for most women, healing. Because most women are codependent. Then you have another group that's hurt and angry and they're independent. But the wife is not codependent with or independent of her husband. She is interdependent with him. Codependency is excessive emotional or psychological reliance on another person for stuff you and God should be able to produce. Independent is to find oneself free from any outside control or participation, not depending on anyone else. Well, that's not what marriage is. That's not what a wife is. That's not what a husband is. It's about being interdependent, which is what? Two or more people dependent on each other. It's the yin-yang. It's the give-take. It's the soul-reap. And Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man... Leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Interdependent. Not codependent. Not independent. I'm not an independent man. When I make decisions, I involve my wife. I have very, I have very, you know, <laughs> I have very particular taste and I know what I want. But when it comes down to things that involve both of us, I say, leave what you think. You know, there's a wall I was getting ready to paint black. I want, I want a black accent wall. She said, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't think. I don't, I don't think. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to reverse that because we're what? 
It's mine and hers. We are interdependent. If you still around here talking about you independent, don't nobody tell you what to do. You ain't no wife yet, babe. You're not no wife. If you still triggered by a simple term as submission, just stop stop worrying about trying to be a wife. You ain't no wife yet. Maybe you maybe you maybe you just never will be a wife. You know, because it requires interdependence where he submits to you, you submit to him. And ain't nobody, you know, checking to see who's going to start this thing. It starts with you. Starts with him. For a woman to depend on a husband means that she's healthy enough to do so. You'll never be able to do this unless you're healthy. Now, number five, and I'm out. A woman that has a wife's psychology has a mind, has a mind to be an amazing lover. Ain't no, ain't no, it ain't no experience that your husband, your husband, your husband, it ain't no experience that he going to be able to get out in them streets that's going to beat what he get at his house when you have the mind of a wife. I got children and I work. I get it. And your husband get it too. You know what I'm saying? You're looking at what you're doing. If he's a grown man, he's paying, he's paying attention to all you're doing. He know you're working and he know you got to take care of these children and you can't come here every night with your, your you know, your, your hair laid and all of this, whatever y'all call all, you know. He know you can't do all that every night, but yeah, weekend, them grandmas got to take care of them babies for a little while because a wife, even if we got to go get a nanny and go get a hotel room, if the nanny come to the house and you and the hubby go, you go get a hotel room where, where you can pay attention to what one of the things is most important to your man and that's sex. If you don't want to have sex, why are you trying to rush to the altar? Too many of y'all out here want to rush to the altar to meet me at the altar in your white dress and all this kind of stuff here and don't want to have no sex. No, 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 no. A wife is a lady in the streets and whatever she needs to be in the sheets with her husband. Because a wife has a mind to be an amazing lover. You can't be sitting around here getting lazy on your sex life, man. Just, you know, just, just man going weeks and weeks and weeks, especially a young man that need to have all that testosterone raging through his body and that you putting this man off week after week after week after week. Come on now. That ain't the mindset of no wife. A wife makes certain that she puts something on her husband that's going to have him thinking about her all day long. Hebrews 13 and 4 says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and daughters, God will judge. The first part, marriage is honorable in the, in the bed undefiled. Some of you Christian women, man, y'all got to get put the Bible. Y'all got all the Bibles in the bed. All these Joyce Meyer books, T.D. Jakes books, R.C. Blake's books all up in the bed. Get that stuff out of your bed, man. Your bed ain't made for all that stuff. Take care of your husband. Because a wife has a mind to be an amazing lover. She's not ashamed about pleasing her husband. And she don't share all her business with her girlfriends either. Now, I, I just got to shut it down because I've been on here too long. I hope you've gotten something out of this conversation. And maybe this is one we'll build on. 
Maybe this is one we'll continue. Maybe do a part two, part three, two. But I hope you've gotten something out of this. Father, I thank you for every person that's under the sound of my voice. Thank you that the wisdom will deposit into their hearts and manifest in their lives. Give them a sense of clarity, God, and calmness, and let them have a mind to wait on you and to trust you and to correct the things that they already see, dear God, have been wrong in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now listen, go to the website, sign up for my mailing list, check out all of my online programs, go to, go to, um, um, what is it, you know, Amazon, pick up all of my books. Those of you that have sown into uh, the ministry, sown into our lives, I want you to know Lisa and I love you. Those of you that may need counseling, better help counseling is available to you. If you look in the description, there's a link for better help counseling. If you hit that link, it will afford you 10% off of the cost of counseling and they in turn will make a deposit into R.C. Blake's Ministries for our referring them. Now, my time is gone. I want you to know I love you. I appreciate you with all of my heart. And um, until next time, you're on top and you're going higher. God has more in store for you. So I will see you at the top. God bless you. Until then. We here at R.C. Blake's Ministries want to thank you for spending this time with us today. R.C. and Lisa are always honored to have you with us. Don't forget to reach out to us by visiting our website at www.rcblakes.com. While you are there, you may join our mailing list and receive a free download of the Laws of Manifesting Your Vision by R.C. Blakes. Also look at all of the online programs by R.C. You may find all books written by R.C. and Lisa. Once again, all of us here at R.C. Blake's Ministries want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And as we always say, see you at the top. Have you ever wondered what it will be like to be mentored and taught by R.C. and Lisa? To be a part of an exclusive group with opportunities to ask questions to RC directly, there is a program called Mordecai Mission. It may be the opportunity you're looking for. Mordecai is a 12-week program conducted on Zoom by RC and Lisa. The program is named Mordecai because it was Mordecai who mentored Esther into her reign as queen. RC has been called the King of Queens. His passion for empowering women is like that of Mordecai. The program is for women seeking spiritual and emotional healing as well as a sense of purpose and a return to self-love. It's biblically based and spiritually empowered. It is roughly an hour of teaching done by RC. It then moves into Q&A. The program is based on three pillars. One, inner healing. Two, self-discovery. And three, self-development. The program runs for 12 weeks straight. Meetings are at the same time every weekend. The meetings are about 90 minutes to 2 hours. To be a part of the next group, go to www.rcblakes.com and register. Seats are limited. Pray about it. And if you feel a witness in your heart, don't procrastinate. Go ahead and register.